It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm emotional because I love Frank Reich. I really do. And he's, uh, he's one of the best damn football coaches I've ever been around. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping that, that him and I would be able to coach against each other uh, in this game, but he he is one of, he he's my one of my biggest mentors. I got my dad, I got Larry Harris, and, and I got Frank Reich, and Frank's such a good football coach. And uh, yeah, you don't want to know what I think uh, of if you should be here or not, but because uh, you guys can probably imagine what I really think. Um, and uh, I love him, and uh, so I got a little bit emotional about that, and it was good to see the guys that I really cared about and some of the, the, the things that. You know, Quentin Nelson and, and Ryan Kelly and Paris Campbell. I got to talk to them after the game and Kenny Moore. Um, so, you know, that, that means a lot when they say some some things that are – obviously, I keep those things myself. But I spent a lot of time here. My kids – one of my child, children was born here, and it's uh, it was sweet to come here, especially with what happened in this organization the last couple weeks, and, and, and get the win. The win. We live in Indianapolis with a win. Nick Sirianni, coach of the century. I love that guy. Yeah. He he holds it in just enough that he doesn't create the viral soundbite that makes him look bad, but you still understand what he's meaning. You get the point. And, yeah, he's not a fan of what happened with Frank Reich. And I would say, and, and I understand that, there's this weird disconnect in the media. You've got some people who look at it and say it's an affront to the coaching profession if you just pull somebody from the outside and expect them to come in and leapfrog over everyone and just do the job and do it well. That it disrespects everyone who's been busting their asses all these years at the vague hope of maybe someday rising to the top of the pyramid. And then there's the, anybody can do it. Why are you a hater? He won a game. Oh, you, you're just jealous. Whatever the... But, you know, and, and that's not the point. The point is there is an order, there is a structure, and the Colts went completely beyond it. And, hey, it's still working. Even though they lost to the Eagles, they had the game won. They, they look like a real NFL team that is a potential contender in the AFC, and we'll see how they bounce back from this loss. But they had that game won, Miles. I mean, they're passing the eyeball test under Jeff Saturday. They are, but I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, it's goes, it's like, well, did the meddling owner maybe stop meddling because it was, it really seemed like a few weeks ago, even though I took a victory lap on it, it was kind of a situation where say goes, Oh, won't someone rid us of this meddlesome Matt Ryan and install a young quarterback like Sam Ellinger and see what happens so that we see what happens with and that obviously was the wrong decision for the Colts, right? It, it just was. And it wasn't something that went over very well in the locker room. And then the next week they get rid of the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady. And then finally they get rid of Frank Reich. And I can see why if you're Nick Sirianni and you spent a lot of time in that organization, helping to build that thing, 
that, you know, you look at this and you're like, man, this isn't right. And so it makes you a little bit emotional and it potentially makes you coach a little bit worse. And so I don't know if that's why that game was as close as it is. Look, the, the Colts have had a pretty good defense all year long. Gus Bradley's done a pretty nice job with that unit. And I think that has frustrated a lot of different opponents. It obviously it frustrated the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, weeks and weeks ago. So now we see the sort of landscape where the Eagles are coming off pretty bad loss to a division rival, but it's a short week. And so you have to do this and you have to do that and get the head coach who is emotional about one of the most important people in his life, in his view, being treated unfairly. So I think there are a lot of things that go into that. And it was obviously very, very nice for the Eagles to come out of that building with a win. Miles, you hit the nail on the head. And it crystallized in my brain as you were explaining that. Here's what happened in a nutshell. Whatever you think about Jeff Saturday, whatever you think about Frank Reich, what happened was this. Several weeks ago, Jim Ursay decided that he was going to avoid potentially owing Matt Ryan $17 million fully guaranteed next year. On top of the $12 million he's already owed fully guaranteed by getting him off the field and putting him in bubble wrap. It was a business decision driven by ownership. It was obvious when Frank Reich explained it. It was coming from the owner, and it was permanent. Sam Ellinger is the starter for the rest of the season, not the rest of the month, not the rest of my season, Frank Reich, but the rest of the season. So, Frank Reich, and this would be why Nick Sirianni would be upset. Anybody should be upset by this. Frank Reich is made to coach with one hand tied behind his back. Because he can't use the former NFL MVP who still has gas in the tank if the blocking gives him a chance to get the car out of neutral. You got to go with the young guy who's completely unproven. And you're going to be held accountable for the performance of the guy that I'm forcing you to play with your job. If you can't somehow spin straw into gold on the fly with a guy who hasn't had any first team reps with a guy who I'm telling you is our quarterback, not Nick Foles, not the Super Bowl MVP. Sam Ellinger is the quarterback. And if you fail, if he fails, you fail and you're fired. And my replacement is going to get to bring back Matt Ryan. That's the that's the last twist of the knife that should piss off yeah. anybody who's paying attention to this. Jim Ursay set Frank Reich up to fail. And then when he got the blowback, from crossing the line between outside the box and bat bleep crazy, he brought back Matt Ryan to boost the effort to make it look like he didn't do something completely nuts. And I really do, you know, in hindsight, that's what it was. That's what it was. That's why Matt Ryan's playing. Holy crap, we better try to actually win some games so I don't look like I was way outside the bounds. By doing this, and now Matt Ryan's back, and they they won a game, and they're competitive in this, and they'll continue to be competitive. They'll continue. I'm just glad they lost one, frankly, because if they went out eight zero, I was going to have to get the Colts logo tattooed on my ass. So I was saved that. If they go six and two, I, I've made the commitment to make the ten thousand dollar donation to the charity of Jim Irsay's choice. So there's still a chance that happens. If it happens, that's fine because it's going to charity. It's not like I'm giving it to Jim Irsay. Yeah. It's the charity of his does. choice, though. The charity can't be the Jim Irsay household maintenance fund. It's got to be a real charity or the human fund, as the case may be. Another reference that Miles won't get, but. I, I Look, I like where they are. I like their fire. I like that they played hard. But, yes, it's possible to look at this. If you're inside the coaching profession and say, in many ways, this is messed up. Yes. Well, the other thing that you – I mean, you sort of alluded to this, but I think it, you can take it this way too. It's that uh, Frank Reich was not empowered to make the decision to go back to Matt Ryan or go to Nick Foles. But Jeff Saturday was. So it's one of ostensibly the first coaching decisions he made was on that Friday before going to play the Las Vegas Raiders thing. You know, I think Matt Ryan looks good. He gives us the best chance to win. And that's what I'm going to do. And so Frank Reich didn't have that opportunity to do that. So, you know, that's one of the biggest problems there. I would feel like if you are somebody who really cares about Frank Reich is that the empowerment was stripped from one guy. And then the next guy who comes in, and has not been in that building coaching for the entire offseason gets to make this decision 
because he's got outside eyes and he's not scared because he's not been a coach before and all the different things that Jim Mercer said in that press conference that I understand why that would irk somebody. It would irk me. Well, and it may be as simple, Miles, as Jeff Saturday has the relationship with Jim Irsay where he knows how to push his buttons, what to say yes. and when to say it to get Irsay to do what he wants to do. And, hey, hey, Jim, look at all the criticism we're getting. They think you're nuts. They think I'm unfit. They think we're going to lose all our games. We just need to go out there and win a game. Let, just let me do what I have to do to win a game. We'll worry about the $17 million later, okay? Um, we just need to win a game. We need to reestablish ourselves. We need to prove all these people wrong. Look at what they're saying about us. Look at what they're saying about you. We have to put our best foot forward. We can't reside in our fears. And, hey, Frank Reich, if he failed in any respect, he failed to say the things to Jim Irsay to talk him off of that ledge of no more Matt Ryan. We're going with Sam Ellinger because I'm worried about this $17 million that I may owe him if he can't pass a physical the middle of March. Look at how he's getting banged around by our offensive line that can't protect him. And also Jeff Saturday, to his credit, came in and got that offensive line, challenged them to perform, and they did. They've responded. And they're not done. They're not done. Four, six, and one. For everything they've been through, they're four, six, and one. They're very much alive. The Bills back to life after what happened last Sunday at Orchard Park when they somehow lost a game where they they could have won, maybe should have won 40-3 to like the Cowboys did over the Vikings. They go through the crazy distractions of the snowstorm in Buffalo. They get to Detroit, and they get the win. They looked sluggish at first. It looked like your Browns were maybe going to pull it off. The Bills looked sluggish at first. They settled down. They got the victory, 31-23, and they scored on all five possessions in the second half to get right. And now they like the fact that they're going back to Detroit. Deion Dawkins told me after the game, it, it feels like a home game. It's the same routine. Go to Detroit, same hotel, same locker room, same sideline. They chose as the home team in Detroit the visiting locker room and the visiting sideline, so it will be the same when they go back to play the Lions on Thursday. Smart move. And and now they you know they can galvanize from this thing and start rolling. Yeah, I thought that that was a really, really smart move by them, the way that they decided, okay, we're going to be in the visitor locker room. We'll be on the visitor sideline. This is just we're going to try to create some sort of normalcy in what was absolutely an abnormal week. And, you know, as I was watching that game and covering it for the site, it's like, okay, I understand why it is that the Bills are coming out sluggish. If any team can come out sluggish after the hell of a week that they had, it was them. It, it made a lot of sense. And so the Browns, I mean, kind of kicked their ass for the first 28 or so minutes of that game. And then with a two minute drill uh, at the end of the first half, they got themselves going. Stefan Diggs didn't even get a target until he caught that pass in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And after that, in the second half, it was pretty much all Buffalo. So uh, that's one of those things where, how, like, why, why is Stefan Diggs that open? What are you doing? Why, why do you lose Stephon Diggs like that? He's literally one of the best receivers in the league. What are you doing? What kind of defense is that? That you say, oh, well, yeah, passing off Stephon Diggs. Somebody go get him. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. What are you? Mm. Watching the Browns can be a very frustrating experience. But, yeah, the Bills, man. They came back. They had a uh, the really nice performance there. And now it does. It sets up a, a good, good Thanksgiving battle that they should have with the Detroit Lions, who are also coming off a win. Freaking Browns During the now. game, but before the Bills began to figure it out, a friend of mine, and yes, folks, I do have friends, not just the people who are paid to be my friends because I'm they your work friend, for me, like Mike. Yeah. One, yeah. One, one, <laughs> wait, let me, let me. I am your, what's this word? Oh, here, friend. I yes. am uh, Mike <laughs> But uh, a friend, a real friend, a friend who has no financial incentive whatsoever to be my friend texted watch digs we're starting to see the old minnesota frustrated stefan digs because apparently at one point in the first half and i didn't see yeah. this because there's eight games on at once they had to right. calm him down on the sideline a little bit he was getting a little emotional and then he's a he's a he transforms he's like a superhero he is the most mild-mannered funny loose nice guy you get him on a football field you get him in a, we saw it on that sunday night game a few weeks ago uh, when he was uh, over the top and just locked in and focused. And he was he was a little upset. He was getting a little frustrated. They, they worked that out with that touchdown. No more frustrated Stephon Diggs after that. So, but, but you know what? Everyone connected the team 
had the right to be frustrated after what happened with Mother Nature and all the snow that got dumped on Buffalo. Let's hear a little bit from Coach Sean McDermott, quarterback Josh Allen, about the adversity that they had to overcome in the week that was before the win over the Browns. You go through and you share an experience like this, it's, um, you know, it, it, it can bring, bring a team closer together. Like I mentioned to the team when we got in there yesterday, uh, it was around 1 o'clock. We had all but about four or five players already, uh, you know, that, that were missing, but most of the team was there. And I said, hey, things like this have a tendency to, to, uh, to bring, bring a group closer and, and bring a team together. And, and like I said, we were already close. But um, just seeing how the guys rallied around it. We easily could have folded and, and allowed it to be an excuse for us. Um, but, again, trusting the guys that we have in this locker room that are true professionals, that do things the right way, um, we were just trying to, trying to win a football game. That's our, our mindset and our goal every time we step out in the field. Um, you know, unfortunately, we got it done today. When I spoke to Deion Dawkins, he used the term sudden change over and over again, and usually that's referred to as it relates to things happening on the field. They had to have that mindset in their lives. You never knew what was going to happen, and he explained that the snowfall amounts were so ridiculously different throughout the area that, you know, based on the snow that was at his house, it's like, if they get this much snow at the airport, we're not getting out. We're just not getting out. Plane's never going to take off in this snow at my house. And he had to ultimately walk through three blocks of six feet of snow just to get to the car that took him to the team facility. And there's a lot of stories like that of things that had to be done. Josh Allen got the big house, got the big contract, got the quarter-mile driveway. That had to be dug out so he could get out of there. And... Uh, It is the kind of thing, you know, you can't force those moments where everyone becomes closer and comes together. But if it happens organically, you take it and you run with it. And when you consider they were at the lowest of the lows last week after that exhausting game against the Vikings that they should have won, could have won, would have won, they reset, they went through all that crap, they could have fallen apart, and they just dealt with it. And they got it done, and now – I know it's not going to be easy against the Lions team that always plays a little better on Thanksgiving and has won three games in a row. That's what makes that game, that that opening game on on Thursday. I I think, for me, it's the most exciting Thanksgiving early game in years because of what the Lions have done and because of what the Bills have had going on, Miles. But the the, the Bills really can light a fire with this one and, and really see it serve them well for the final seven games of the regular season, and more importantly, when they get back to the postseason and come across the Chiefs again. Yeah, Mike, I, I think you made a really good point about you know things that can bring teams together. As I, I think back to 2018, um, when the Rams were supposed to go to Mexico City to play the Chiefs, and obviously that game ended up back in Los Angeles and was one of the greatest regular season games we've ever seen. But in the, weeks, in the week before that, all these wildfires around Los Angeles. They had to cancel practice. They ended up, you know, doing a walkthrough at USC the day before the Seahawks game. And they came out and they were able to get a real galvanizing win over the Seahawks. And then we went to Colorado and we're supposed to be at altitude training for the week or whatever. And then the game gets moved. And then that galvanizes that team. It was one of those moments in the season that did bring that team together and kind of push them forward, and you end up in the Super Bowl. Right? I don't know if that's the same thing that's going to happen with the Bills after this week, but it is one of those moments that really, when you've just got to grind through it, and you've got to do it together, and it's just stuff that is out of your control that you have to freaking deal with because nobody cares. They're going to play the game. Right? The game's going to happen. Whether it was in Buffalo, whether it was in Detroit, whether it could have been on a parking lot somewhere. The game was going to happen, and you have to get out there. And unfortunately, if you lose that game, it still counts in the standings just as much as any other game. So the fact that they were able to rally around each other and play good football, to paraphrase the great Dick Vermeil, that I think should really help them going forward. You know, it reminded me, as you were saying, that is something that Peter King mentions from time to time when he was covering the Giants and Bill Parcells would, you know, pull out the, the, the standings. It doesn't matter how many injuries you had. You won or you lost. That's all that matters. Yep. Doesn't Nothing else matters other than did you win or did you lose. And to the credit of the Bills, they got the win and they 
are once again on their way. Not that they were a downtrodden franchise before. They were in great shape, but there were some questions after two straight losses. Those questions are being answered in a positive way for the Bills. We'll be very positive when we return. We're always positive on Mondays until we aren't. Superlatives for week 11. I almost thought it was week 12. Week 11 to be handed out when PFT Live continues right after this. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. That mustache yeah. smile, it reminds me of oh. Catholic high school, no facial hair. So the year we graduated, we all grew mustaches, and we looked ridiculous. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I did something similar my senior year of high school. All of a sudden, the football team, we dressed up as Star Wars, and so, of course, I was Lando Calrissian. So I did the mustache thing, and, like, I look back on those pictures, and it's like, good Lord, dude, what in the world were you doing? That's a good Photoshop good. right there. <laughs> that is very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I had forgotten even having that conversation. It's a function of being almost <laughs> 60. Did, did, did you hear that I'm very excited about turning 60 now? Did I tell you that? No. I've still is got some time. I've still got you? some time. You do? No, yes, because, because once you turn 60, you no longer can be punched without it being elder abuse. So I am going to be even more insufferable when I turn 60 because it's like the old thing, and they don't say this anymore. I mean, when I was a kid, the the line in the cartoons was you wouldn't hit someone wearing glasses, would you? It's kind of like I got glasses all over my body once I turn 60. No one can touch me lest they be prosecuted for elder abuse. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Okay. Well done, by the way. Another movie I haven't seen. Control room with uh, what, what, what movie? The what was movie I making a reference to? Quoted. Uh, I don't even. I, don't, I know the reference. I can't even remember. I, it, no, it, no, uh, cartoons. It was cartoons. You know, they they'd no, say no, cartoons. No, no. I was growing up. There was like this. The the oh, which is an, nice oh, one. another thing I have going for me, which is nice. Yeah. But you knew enough to know. You know it's from yes. Caddyshack. Don't play that game. You know it's from Caddyshack. I, you you know, haven't I, seen it. But you know it's I've from Caddyshack. It. I, well, I forgot. Yeah, I mean, speaking of my high school teammates, they they always used to quote that, which is why I, I knew what it was. Shooter McGavin was in the building Gunga last Lagunga. night. Who was? Anyway, yeah, Shooter McGavin, Who? the the actor that's uh, oh, also in Max. Yeah, he's not in Caddyshack. That's Happy Gilmore. You're mixing up your golf movies. Like <laughs> See. Ya. Let's get to the superlatives, huh? Can I, I got a, I got a, I got a selfie. I got a selfie with Shooter McGavin. I don't know his real name. He's just Shooter. Wouldn't isn't that that's the ultimate typecast? If you're kind of a mid-level guy, you had that one great role, and that's who you are known as for the rest of your life. He is Shooter. I think yeah. he's leaned into it because he understands it. There's benefit in just being Shooter McGavin. Just change your name to Shooter McGavin. I wonder if anybody's ever done that. Any actors ever just changed his or her name to the character for which? Why not? Why not? Just change it to Shooter McGavin. All right, here we go. Uh, Christopher McDonald. Thank you. Christopher McDonald is the real name of Shooter McGavin until he changes it legally to Shooter McGavin. Superlatives time. Shoot your shot, Miles Simmons. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Let's go to the Ravens because, you know, this is a term we usually use for the NCAA tournament, but they were able to survive in advance because that's a tough Carolina Panthers team. They've been playing tougher under Steve Wilkes. Their offense still just isn't going to do much of anything, but the Ravens were able to get a field goal in the fourth quarter and then Lamar Jackson's late touchdown to separate themselves. And that's the kind of thing you need to do. Right, You're going to have games like that over the course of a 17-game season, and sometimes you just have to get it done in those critical moments. And the Ravens were able to do that with Lamar Jackson yesterday, so they survived in advance. First one for me, and and well done. And by the way, for some reason, uh, somebody thought that that game was going to go over 41.5 points. I don't know who that was, but uh, they scored 16 
total points yesterday in Baltimore. Oops. For me, first one, kneecaps bitten. Not just because the mm. Lions have won three in a row. It's the way they're playing. Even though they scored 31 yesterday, and they have five games this year of 31 or more points, which is very un-Lion-like, they have pivoted back toward more of a smash-mouth style. They're not relying on Jared Goff to throw the ball all over the place. They don't have these ridiculous fantasy numbers, except for the running back, who scored three touchdowns yesterday, with Jamal Williams getting it done. Even though he's in a committee, he's the guy who's getting the touchdowns. He's the guy who's getting it done. Very impressive what the Lions have done. I never would have dreamed. This is another one of my best bets from yesterday. The Giants giving the Lions three. The Lions taking him out of Ford Field in November. Jared Goff with those tiny little hands on a windy day at MetLife Stadium. The Lions have no chance. They they had a couple of Fugazi wins over a downtrodden Packers team, and they beat the Bears. Who hasn't beaten the Bears this year? There's no way they're going to beat the Giants. Got to give it to Dan Campbell's Lions. And they are finally becoming, I believe, the team that he envisioned. And it was bottoming out at one and six. I, I, you know, people are talking about, oh, they're going to fire him and who they're going to hire next. It's working, and they really have a chance to make things interesting in the NFC. If they get the win on Thursday and move to five and six, who would have ever dreamed that would happen? And and uh, you know, I'd I'd much rather be hot in November and December than September and October, Miles. No doubt. You know, I think it's been since that uh, ringing endorsement from Sheila Fordham, or let's call it vote of confidence, whatever you want to call it, that she gave to Holmes and Campbell. They have been three and oh, I'm pretty sure if unless it was the week before and now they're three and one. But like you said, they're winning games and they're getting it done. And this is the kind of thing that you need to show progress, because at that point, the record with Campbell and Holmes was worse than it was with Patricia at that you know, juncture of games. So they needed to get some wins and they, they finally have, um, let's go to the Bengals and you get the guys who stepped up and T Higgins and Samaje P Ryan. They needed guys to step up because you don't have Jamar chase. Joe Mixon goes out in that game. P Ryan ends up with three touchdowns. T Higgins ends up with something like 148 yards. Uh, that's something that you just, can't necessarily anticipate when you're going into a game like that against a division rival, a team that knows you, a team that's got TJ Watt back, and he comes in and he makes outstanding plays. So when you're able to find the way and get that thing done and make the critical plays in the critical situations, that says a lot. And so can't count the Bengals out yet. You really can't. Well, no, no, hell no. They're waiting for Jamar Chase to come back, and he may be back as soon as this weekend when they go back to Tennessee for a rematch of the division round game from last year. They were 5-4 and four through nine games last year, entering the bye. 5-4 and four this year, entering the bye. And on the other side, they go to Pittsburgh and win a very difficult game. I was not feeling good about my pick for the Bengals to win this one because it felt like one of those – Steelers home game. Oh, mama. I'm Someone's wandering. Exactly. Well done. Yeah. That's well, they, they played Renegade and they got the keep... defensive stop after that. Well, right. And they have done some high level analytical studies as to their record when they play Renegade and they win far more than they lose. And it felt like the Steelers were going to get it done when TJ Watt makes that. What the hell was that interception? Yeah grabbing it at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I thought Steelers are going to pull this off. They're going to do it. So credit to the Bengals holding firm, getting the win, waiting for Jamar Chase to return when things may only get better for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll take a break and we'll have more PFT live right after this. Release the hounds. It's a Thanksgiving tradition like none other. The national dog show presented by Purina. Thousands of dogs compete for the title of best in show good boys and good girls everywhere thanksgiving at noon eastern on nbc and peacock i i was starting to say this during the break but i decided to save it but it's probably not going to be very good at least i'm self-aware if nothing else i am self-aware i want another dog but i don't because i know that it's going to be more work more effort and the end result is going to be instead of my wife having one dog that follows her everywhere she goes she'll have two dogs that follow her everywhere she goes because no matter how hard i try to be the alpha to which the dog attaches it isn't going to work but i find myself kind of rediscovering that wonder 
that boyhood, like, am I going to, is there going to be a dog in that box on Christmas morning for me? So I, I'm starting to slip into that mode of just kind of wondering, am I going to get that dog I want? And I know I'm not, but at least it carries me through the month. That's my story. I think of that when I see the dog. So I'll, I'll just watch the dog okay. show. It's the next best thing to getting another dog. Watch everybody else's dogs, and then you don't have to deal with any of the other side of it, like cleaning up their messes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see if Santa brings you that dog, man. You got just over a month for that to happen. Santa, come down the chimney. I need to start a live animal. In I the need box. to start. I need to start thinking of ways to get word out, just like Ralphie when he wanted the Red Ranger uh, carbon action. Yes. Range model air rifle with a compass in the talk and this thing that tells time. Uh, the dog will bite my eye out, I guess. I don't know. That's the only other. That's I, it's a very graphic, but uh, it's the closest thing I could think of to shooting my eye out, which is also very graphic as well. Uh, it was graphic display of offense yesterday in Foxborough. That's what you call a save. A three to three, very late in the game. It was horrible. It was ugly. It was pathetic. And I don't want to hear the, it was defense. We love <laughs> yes. Defense. defense. We don't love it. But there's a reason <laughs> that the NFL became more popular when they discovered, you know, hmm. Oh, boy. If we could just find a way to score more points, to have more touch, people seem to get excited with the touchdowns. They're not as excited with the tackles and the punts, they're more excited by the touchdowns. Let's just find a way to infuse more touchdowns into this game. Maybe we're, we're on to something here. So, yeah, 3-3, three to three, Patriots-Jets, ugly, pathetic, abysmal. And then you get the long punt return for a touchdown by, uh, I can't remember who it was, Marcus Jones, the long, not Mac Jones. When you, you got two, I don't know what it says on the back of their jerseys, but when you look at the box score, M.A. Jones. Who the hell's M.A. Jones? Oh, Marcus Jones, because they got Mac Jones. So there goes M.A.R., not M.A.C. Jones on his way and now look at the very end see that block oh boy that looked like a block in the back when it happened live the nfl says it was initiated on the side miles i don't know about you that looked like a block in the back to me there's one back there too what i thought yeah honest to goodness it's exactly what i thought as he was crossing the goal line that there was going to be a block in the back right there but oh that's a block in the back it's absolutely. Oh, that's a block in the back. In the back. It's totally a block in the back. But I don't care. Don't call that there because first of all, you should have done it. But second of all, just don't call it. Don't call that. You know, let that go. Yeah. It, it, it's your own fault. It initiated Jets. from the side. They said they called Tony yeah. Dungy and said it initiated from the side. Yeah, from the side of the guy's number. It was a block in the back. <laughs> it, and and even then, it would have been. It would have been. It would have been. 10 yards back from the spot of the foul, and they would have kicked the right. field goal and probably would have missed it. So it's not all they would have won anyway. In a game like that, the only way you're going to win anyway is if you score the touchdown. So uh, that's the good news for the Patriots. The bad news for the Jets. Oh, boy. Um, P.U. Yeah, and let's – a little melange here of sound from head coach Robert Sala, quarterback Zach Wilson, and receiver Garrett Wilson on the reaction to yesterday's performance. Have a listen. Second half, especially the offense, seven possessions, only two total yards. Um, yeah, it was dog. Man, we all got to be more detailed. We all got to have a, a better plan. Um, this shit's not okay. You know I mean, straight up, he's not okay. We had how many how many total yards we had? A little over hundred. Yeah, it's not 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 gonna fly. So. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. no. What? Yeah, look. Rule number one, if you aspire to be a franchise quarterback, there are moments where you just have to suck it up and take it. You have to say it's on me. You have to have the confidence to say it's my fault. Yes, I share responsibility. Yes, my eyes are functioning. Yes, I have some degree of self-awareness. It's on me. I am not a petulant brat who refuses to accept responsibility because that's how you come off. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is, but that's how you come off. You have to own part of it even if you believe deep down you don't. I remember, who was the guy? Jimmy Clausen. 
I remember when oh, he yeah. was sitting with John Gruden, when Gruden would do that quarterback camp thing. Yeah. And they were watching Notre Dame tape, and there was a play where Clawson threw an interception, and he tried to blame it on Golden Tate running the wrong route. And Gruden said to him, you got to understand, it's always your fault. Even if it's not your fault, it's always your fault. You just have to own it. It doesn't because it doesn't matter. It's just words. It doesn't matter. And it really makes me wonder whether or not Zach Wilson's going to make it. You got three years. You got three years. He's got a lot of work to do by the time he gets to the end of year three. We saw Tua, year three, magical transformation. Zach Wilson doesn't have something like that. He's going to be gone. He's not going to be the guy for the Jets. And and that that just in that statement yesterday, that tells me he's got a long way to go to get to where he needs to be. There is a certain level of maturity that you have to have to be a franchise quarterback. And when somebody lobs you a question like that in the press conference, or it's not even just you personally. I mean, you listen to that question. As an offense, do you feel like you let the defense down today? The answer is, of course. We scored three points, and they only allowed three points on defense. So, of course, we let them down. It's such an easy answer. I mean, it's mind-boggling that this quarterback, who was 9 of 22 for 77 yards in a National Football League game in the year of our Lord 2022, has the nerve to stand at the podium and say, no, we didn't let the defense down. Are you out of your mind? I mean, come on, Zach Wilson, man. You can't do that. When they See, because I, I wasn't watching that game as it happened because I wasn't on it. But as I, I turned to it because certain games ended, Kevin Harlan said the Jets had two yards in the second half. I said, what? Two yards and a half? A half of football? You have two yards? The second half? Come on. You cannot stand at the podium and give the speech like that you can't stand the podium and say you don't repay responsibility. And then you've got a wide receiver in the locker room who's saying, no, this is not okay. Like the wide receiver is doing the thing that the quarterback should be doing. It's ridiculous. I mean, you have to play Joe Flacco now, don't you? Or Mike White. You, you got to play somebody who is going to take accountability as a quarterback. You cannot be up there as a high draft pick, as highly drafted as he was and not show the maturity needed to be a franchise quarterback when you're this far into your career. I, I, I don't understand that. That was astonishing to me. And, and, and let me tell you, and, and this is going to sound like I'm trying to be a smartass, but when you look like you're 12, it's all the more important to not He looks like, like he could be my Isn't son. It? He looks like yes. he could be my son, Mike. I'm 31 years old. He, I, my goodness. It's all the, you have to show the maturity. It's all the more it's all the more reason you have to make up. You're, you're, you're operating from a deficit because people are already looking at you thinking, this is just some young punk. So when you, when you prove that, right. it's only going to make it harder to get past it. By the way, the Texans had five yards in the first half yesterday, and I remember thinking it can't get any worse than that. Oh, and then it did. The Jets with two in the second half in a game that they Ugh. still almost won, but for that punt return. All right, let's take a break. It was the somebody's got to win it game between the Raiders and the Broncos, and it looked like nobody wanted to win it until the Raiders did. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live. Carr, play action again, walking downfield, walks it near corner. Adams went over at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win. The Raiders get it done. Raiders are now 3-7 and seven on the season. 1-7 against every team not named the Denver Broncos. They complete the sweep. They get the victory. Devontae Adams gets it done. Three-play drive in overtime to win the game. And the first play went negative yardage. That's an impressive overtime drive by the Raiders and a depressing performance by a vaunted Denver defense. I mean... Much was made of the fact that Nathaniel Hackett gave up play calling so he could be involved with the other phase of the team. Maybe after yesterday, the Denver's like, Denver defense is like, hey, hey, Nate, we're fine. You can just stay with the offense. We don't. We're fine. We're good. We'll 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 uh, graciously decline your involvement in the defense. But I, I look, 
they, the Broncos just keep finding ways. They don't they don't get embarrassed by the score. They get embarrassed by the process. I can't think yes. of a team like this that if you look at the scores of their games, you don't say, "Oh boy, oh go, you know, like Vikings 40 to 3, oh you should go hide in a hole." But there is like a moment from every game that happens where you're like, how is a professional football team, whether it's a coach, a quarterback, or some other player, doing something this stupid to contribute to a narrow defeat? Look, okay, first of all, if anybody should know that you need to cover Devontae Adams, it should be Nathaniel Hackett. (laughs) I mean, come on. Why is the next the closest defender to Devontae Adams in overtime a state over? I mean, what is this? Like, what is this? This is craziness. I mean, that's as easy. I could have made that throw, Mike. You could have made that throw. That's that's crazy that Devontae Adams was that open in overtime. So that's ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, things that we want about the Raiders, the only teams they've beaten so far this year, and you mentioned that they're 2-0 against the Broncos, their other victory came against the Houston Texans. So I don't really know what that says. But, you know, when you have the kind of week that the Raiders had after losing to Jeff Saturday's Colts, they needed something to at least gain some positive momentum. And, you know, at least yesterday, I guess we could say that Josh McDaniels did a fantastic job. Well, and I'll say this, too, about that throw and catch. I've talked to enough guys over the years to know that those situations make it even harder. When you see the guy that open, you get a little nervous that you're going to miss him. When you are that open, you get a little nervous that maybe you're going to drop it. It's too easy. You can think too much about it. It's It shouldn't be that something's wrong here. What's going on? Oh, I still have to catch it. Whoops, there it went. So they still had to execute in that moment, and they did. David Carr is... 8-2 8-2 and two in his career in overtime Derek. games. The best win percentage by Derek. Who did I say? Did I say Derek Anderson? Derek David. Carr. Did I say David Carr? David Carr. Somebody Carr. Derek Carr. And then I thought I said Derek Anderson. That just shows how far up my own butt my head is this morning. Derek Carr is 8-2 in his career in overtime games. The best winning percentage by any quarterback with 10 or more overtime games in their career. Second best is Tom Brady at 10-4. and four. Um I knew it was going to overtime when Nathaniel Hackett said last week somebody's got to win this game, and it has <laughs> yeah, been, uh, it has been a rough road. They've lost their third overtime game of the season, and it just feels like, I mean, how does he survive? And I'm not anti Nathaniel Hackett. I'm very pro assessing what is happening in front of us, and we've seen it before. Every time a coordinator becomes a head coach, you don't know whether or not that person is going to have the skill set to thrive at a fundamentally different job. It is different in every way imaginable. Tony Dungy tells the story. He's in Tampa Bay, and they come to him and say, hey, we go to Kansas City in the preseason. What hotel do you want to stay? He's like, why are you asking me? Because you're the coach. That's a decision you make. I mean, it changes your entire existence when you ditch the X's and O's for being the CEO of the football team. Some guys can do it. Some guys can't. Sometimes you can tell quickly. Sometimes it takes a little while. Through 10 games of Nathaniel Hackett's career, it's safe to say he can't. He just can't. And the owners there didn't hire him. And they expect more. The fans expect more. They're going to need to find somebody who can fix Russell Wilson. That's going to be topic A, B, C, D, E of every interview they do once they fire Nathaniel Hackett and start looking for the next coach. How do you get more out of Russell Wilson? And how do you teach him to not throw the ball away when he should take a sack, which, as you said earlier during a break, it's something that a guy who's been in the NFL for 11 years now should know without anyone telling him. Third down and 10. Here's the play. You're throwing it. Yeah, you're throwing it to try to win the game. Perfect. Fine. But when the play is dead, take the sack. We saw Taylor Heineke do it last Monday night. Takes the knee, right? And then he ends up getting hit, and it's a weird situation, but he gets a free 15 yards. Game's over. If you just take the sack. Keep the clock moving. It's inexcusable for a veteran quarterback of Russell Wilson's experience to throw the ball away in that situation. Slide, you take the sack. You keep the clock moving. There is nothing that Nathaniel Hackett should have had to tell him or Clint Kubiak, who was calling the plays yesterday, should have had to remind Russell Wilson of what that is. They don't have any timeouts. You know that. You're coming out of the two-minute warning. You understand what's going on here. You have to know that as a veteran quarterback, the things that I cannot do are have an incomplete pass, or at least a pass that's not that competitive. 
you know, if it goes over the middle and, you know, you're trying to throw it and the, and the defense breaks up a play, that's at least an earned play. But if the play is dead, the play is dead. Take the sack, let the clock wind, and let it go. That's what happens there. And I don't understand what you need to tell Russell Wilson to tell him, hey, man, don't do that there. Been in the league 10-plus years. Enough. And even if it didn't dawn on him before Monday night, you wonder, did he watch the Monday night game? Did he actively watch the Monday night game? I wonder how many quarterbacks, how many players watch other games and are constantly like with a notepad or their phone, like taking notes on something I see, something I hear that I could maybe incorporate in some way. I mean, I'm watching you know, this game, but I'm also learning from it. I don't know. But, but that was up that, but you point, you pointed it out. The Taylor Heineke thing, a prime example from Monday night when everyone was watching as to what you do in that moment to keep the clock moving and not stop the clock and give uh, the Raiders even more time to try to force overtime. Here's Nathaniel Hackett from after the game on whether he's talked to his immediate boss, general manager George Payton, or his ultimate boss, CEO Greg Penner, about the first-year head coach's future. For me, everything's about this team and this staff. I've told you guys that before. I mean, I just want to do everything I can to help this team win. Um, you know, we've been so close. We've had so many opportunities. We've had a lot of things happen uh, this year that are unfortunate, and, but we have to continually find ways to win. That's my sole uh, purpose. That's all I'm looking to do. Um, whatever happens, those things I can't control. And uh, always communicate with everybody, talk about everything, show them all the different things that are going on so they, they can have all their answers, uh, their, their questions answered, and uh, go from there. Yeah, uh, it's just a matter of time. The only question for me is, does he make it to the end of the season? Or they decide, and, and I'm a firm believer, once you decide it's done, be done. Move on. Because you have an opportunity to select one of these assistants to be the on-the-job person who auditions for yeah. the permanent head coaching job. You see what someone can do unless they go off the board and, you know, bring in Gary Zimmerman or some other former offensive lineman of the team who's never coached to hey you know, well, I nominated so far, Ed McCaffrey. Sort of, so. Yeah, it's another franchise legend. I, you know, seems like on the I, I, yeah, I, I just I just uh I think it's just not working. And I can't imagine yeah. the Walmart moguls deciding to give him another year. There's nothing he's done this year, Miles, that has made me say, hey, there's that little glimmer. There's that little thing. There's that thread that we can pull to see a better second year. Let's take a break. Some injury updates yeah. coming out of week 11 when PFT Live continues right after this. The FIFA World Cup is underway. It began Sunday with the opening match between host Qatar and Ecuador. Ecuador got the 2-0 win to... Team USA will make its World Cup debut today, back in a World Cup again after missing the 2018 Cup in Russia. The young stars, the U.S. men's national team, led by Christian Pusilic, will face Gareth Bale and Wales at 2 p.m. Eastern. All World Cup matches available on Telemundo and Peacock in Spanish. It beats Rosetta Stone if you want to learn a little Spanish. So tune into Peacock at 2 p.m. Eastern to watch the U.S. take on Wales. Okay, yesterday. Rams in New Orleans, a rematch of an old NFC West rivalry. There was a time when they were both horrible teams. Right now, neither is very good, and there's an issue with Matthew Stafford. He just came out of the concussion protocol miles on Friday. He exited the game in the third quarter for a concussion evaluation, and we never got an answer to whether or not he has a concussion. And as of last night, we had no answer. The team said that he will undergo tests on Monday, and he is not yet in the protocol. I mentioned last night on Football Night in America that the NFL Players Association is monitoring this situation, as they should, given that Stafford just came out of the protocol. I just don't get this. You either are in the protocol or you aren't. This isn't like an MRI on a knee where we need a day to let the swelling go down or we don't have the equipment available. Someone either is manifesting sufficient symptoms and signs to be in the protocol or they're not. It, it seems to be a pretty bright line. And, and if it's close, if it's close, put him in the protocol. What does it hurt to put him in the protocol? You have five steps to get out of it. If you're fine, you'll get out of it. But why would you not err on the complete and total side of caution, treat this player like a patient, and put him in the protocol? Yeah, it's an odd situation, and I don't really understand it because, I mean, in most games, you have a player gets evaluated, either they clear or they don't. So 
you know, I mean, we saw that situation last night, I think, at SoFi, where there was a player, he gets evaluated, he clears it, or he doesn't. And that's something that happens in almost every situation. So if he didn't clear it, but you're not putting him in the protocol, I don't, I, I don't, I just don't quite understand what's going on there. And obviously, they didn't put him back in the game. So at least there's that. Right. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I th- and this is the cynical side of me. And look, even though they have independent people involved, it's still football. They want players to be available. And Sean McVay doesn't want to have to go through practice this week without Matthew Stafford. They're playing the Chiefs in Kansas City this weekend. He wants Stafford there for Wednesday, dude, Thursday, dude. Friday practice, not working. His- I'm like, just saying. They're, they're three they're, and but seven. I, I know. They got no offensive I, line. St- they're going to start another combination of offensive linemen. And like, I just, well, then I just can't, put him in, I can't then jive with that. Put him in the protocol. Then put him in the protocol. I'm trying to think I of why they you. would try. Why are you delaying this? I'm. That's the only know. reason. It's I'm weird. just saying. It's the only reason to delay it. Think but of I, the patient, not the player, put him and in. put him in the protocol. I know. But they didn't. But they, they should. Didn't put him back That's in the my game. point. So, I, but so he's. I, I mean, it's it like he's effectively in the protocol, even though he's not in the protocol. But for some reason, they don't want to say that. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, but if like you're I said, not, I just don't get it. But, but it if you're not sense. in the protocol, but if you're not in the protocol, you can go to practice. You don't have to worry about getting but, through the five steps. You're not off to the yes, side doing separate you, things. That's my point. That's the only you thing I can think things, of is why they wouldn't just, just be put limited. him in. You, but it takes limited. time. I mean, I know, one, two, I know, I know, I know. I know. But, it's the only. Yeah. I'm trying to think of why they don't just do it. I why just just put him in there for his own good. That's my point. All right, for our own good, we need to take a break. We'll be back to wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. Mexico City, the 49ers at. Air quotes at the Cardinals. Colt McCoy reportedly expected to start. Kyler Murray still dealing with a hamstring that kept him limited all week, and he didn't play last week in the victory over the Rams. Colt McCoy, a guy you can count on to come in and get it done, runs the offense, checks the boxes, takes care of business. It's going to be a little harder to take care of business against the 49ers, Miles. You know what's interesting, Mike? I was watching that Hard Knocks in season, the first episode, and Cliff Kingsbury went through, you know, we play this team in our division, this team in our division, and this team in our division. And, you know, if we win these games, and we're right back in it. And you usually don't see head coaches looking ahead like that. But now they have a chance to go one and two in those three division games. And frankly, the 49ers should come out there and they should absolutely win this game tonight. Well, I... You're saying they should win or lose? I didn't hear the last part. The 49ers should win. The 49ers should not lose to yeah. Colt McCoy. Not with that defense. Right. Exactly. No, exactly. And and look, I'm a firm believer that the 49ers, as long as they keep their core players healthy, are a real Super Bowl threat in gotta the get those NFC. Defensive tackles they back, can beat yes. any of those teams, but you got to have the defensive tackles back. And by the way, Ndamukong Sue was a guy they were trying to get last week. He told me yesterday he picked the 49ers or the Eagles over the 49ers. They wanted him. They need those guys back, and they need to keep their other guys healthy. We need to go. Thanks for some of your time. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you Tuesday morning. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.